Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Yellow Jackets Hive. I am Medium Melanie here with. And I'm Emily. And today we are going to recap season one of Yellow Jackets. Thought it was good timing ahead of season two coming next month in March. Um, of course, you know, season one covered a lot of stuff. We're going to do our best to uh, pick out the most important points so that way, you know, we can have a good idea of the key focuses as we move into season two. Um, Before we start, we should mention, um, Emily, which one of the Yellow Jackets cast members just celebrated a birthday? Christina Ritchie just turned 43 yesterday. So she's like right around the age of what they're supposed to be in the show, right? Yes, that's right. And, um, you know, I'm also turning 43 this year. So I feel like I really have a special, you know, connection with this adult cast, especially Christina, um, given that we'll be the same age. Very exciting. But yes, it does put them very close to the age that they're playing in the show. So I I think that adds a nice authentic quality to it. So happy birthday, Christina. Yes. Yes. Um, And speaking of season two Yellow Jackets, we are going to be hosting Yellow Jackets Hive After Dark. We will be going live in the hive immediately following new episodes of Yellow Jackets starting on March 26th. Um, We're going to do it in this format, which we love because fans can pop into the comments. You can ask questions live. We can answer them. Um, we will have some spots if you'd actually like to join us on the feed. If that's something you're interested in, uh, message us, yellowjacketshive at gmail.com. We'll keep a list and we will touch base uh, closer to season two and when we do a hive hangout, which will be fun. And we hope to do one of those around the full trailer release. So hopefully that's coming soon. Yes. I was really counting on there being one yesterday during the Super Bowl. I'm kind of bummed. I know. Same. You know, they they had an ad during the Grammys. And so that really sparked my thing. Like, wow, Paramount's got money for a Super Bowl spot. But, you know, we did not see one. But that still leaves plenty of opportunity coming up leading up to the weeks of the premiere. Maybe Valentine's Day? (gasps) Valentine's Day would be great. I feel like that would be really on point. You know, they could use that nice visual of one of the girls writing, I love you in blood on the other one's arm. That is really cute. And you know what? If they don't post that, that will be our Valentine's Day post. So (laughs) thank you for the inspo showtime. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So without further ado, we are going to dive into our Yellow Jackets Hive season one recap. Um. Yellow Jackets, of course, is on Showtime. And the general description of the show, um, girls soccer players must survive a plane crash, the wild, and each other. In the mid-90s, a plane carrying a widely talented girls soccer team crashes in the Canadian wilderness, leaving the group of teenagers stranded for 19 long months. 25 years later, those who survived attempt to get on with their lives until the grim truth of what really happened threatens to surface. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the first time I watched Yellow Jackets, it wasn't what I was expecting. I was thinking more of the teen drama, you know, the soccer, the high school. But, like, they they dove in right to the crazy stuff, like, towards the end of the pilot. Oh, yeah. Um, And, I mean, it had me hook, line, and sinker Mm -hmm. from episode one, hands down. Yeah, same. Yes. Um, One overarching theme throughout the series we think that's covered um, in depth is 
the idea of trauma, right? So we're just going to talk about that right at the top. It's interwoven throughout um, the entire first series. There was a quote from Ashley Lyle. Um, She said, I feel like the only constant that we came across in terms of trauma is that everybody's experience is different. There is no right or wrong way to experience, process, or manifest traumatic experiences. We certainly tried to do some research. We want to be very respectful, but we were more interested in talking about examining felt experience as opposed to the clinical analysis of it. Hopefully, people feel there's uh, truth in some way, shape, or form to how we're presenting it on the show. It's interesting to me that trauma has become this kind of catchphrase or buzzword. Everyone keeps sharing that Jamie Lee Curtis Curtis video from her Halloween Kills press tour. But I think trauma is as close to you can come to a universal experience, especially right now. We are all going through a collective trauma. You don't have to have been through a plane crash to experience trauma. So true. Yes. Um, And and I think that's very important, not even just to the show, but in real life. We all have traumas. You know, Emily, I've got a lot of trauma. You've got some trauma. We've all got Mm -hmm. trauma. And I think what defines us is how we deal with them and how we present ourselves in the midst of trauma. So again, I think Showtime does a really great job with that. So we'll talk more about that with each character and how they're depicted. Yeah. But why don't we dive right into the pilot? Emily, what is the Showtime description of the pilot? So Showtime synopsis for the pilot says, on the eve of a fateful flight, a championship high school girls soccer team celebrates by betraying one another. 25 years later, the survivors do their best imitations of well-adjusted people. Yes. Imitations, I think, is an important word there. Um, A couple of just fun little tidbits from the pilot. Um, The crash we determined was around May 23rd, based on the clues that they gave us in the context of the show. Uh, The flight number was 2525. Never know when you're going to need that in a trivia question, so (laughs) why not throw it in there? And um, another thing from the original pilot script was that um, Shauna uh, was going to have another daughter, which meant Callie was going to have an older sister named Mandy, who we saw in some photos on the wall, family photos. Um, So that did not come to fruition in the pilot. But it's interesting to see some of the differences between what was written and what actually happened. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Um, In the opening scene, we see that pit girl sequence. Emily, tell us a little bit about the pit girl sequence. And then also one important question we have from something we saw during that. So we all know by now that the show opens up with a girl running through the snow and she it looks like she's in the wilderness where they've been stranded, obviously, and she's running. She trips. She's running down a pathway that's surrounded by trees. Um, When she trips, she gets up and she like, she hears these like animal noises, which we've deduced are being made by the other girls based on what we've seen throughout the whole season. And she hears those noises. It looks like she's like, almost like retching in pain to me, like when she's like bent over and then she gets up, takes off. But before she starts running, you see the talisman all like lining the pathway that she's running down. And it also looks like Coach Ben's crutch is one of those items that are adorning the pathway. So is that to show that like he doesn't make it? (laughs) 
I mean, you know, shout out to uh, Reddit user Palpitation Adorable too. We did pull this photo from them, but I mean, you clearly can see there's a man-made crutch yeah. hanging there. Like that's not just a stick found in nature. It looks like there's the duct tape or something. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, that means, you know, coach does not make it out of the wilderness. No. And I mean, like, we've talked about this like a bunch of times, like with this show, you kind of have to suspend disbelief for some things because you know that some things that happen aren't logical and wouldn't work in the real world. And but like Ben surviving is something that nobody thinks is going to happen. Yeah. And I mean, he's a great character. The yeah. girls are very lucky to have him, you know, as a leader um, before things get a little crazy and he loses his authority. But um, I mean, we love Steven Kruger as an actor and, uh, you know, we're interested to see what happens with him and his boyfriend because they did cast yeah. Paul, his boyfriend, <clears throat> excuse me, who's a writer. Uh, so we will see him in a few episodes in season two, which we suspect will be in a dream flashback hallucination type of situation. Yeah. Yes. And yes, Mark, in the comments, 2525 was Shonda's safe code. You were right. Yes, absolutely. And hey, you know what? Welcome to everybody in the comments. We've got Bored Stuff. We've got 7D, Mark O'Brien, Dark Empire. Um, Dark Empire. Oh my God, you're super sweet. Uh, I've been looking forward to the show since last week's episode. The recap makes me even more excited for another rewatch of season one to prepare for the new season. Well, thank you for that, Dark Empire. We are so glad that you're here. Yes. Yes. So continuing on in the pilot, um, just, you know, for a, a quick synopsis of what happened, um, we see the Yellow Jackets in 96 after we, we get over the show open with the pit girl scene. Um, the girls are practicing. Um, Thaisa tackles Allie, who's a freshman, and um, her leg breaks. There was some discussion about it beforehand. Not all the girl girls were involved with it. But that leg breaking for me, Emily, like the sound and noise of it, mm -hmm. like, eek, that was yeah. – quite a way to open their soccer practice and yeah kind of that was a way to open the show like, I mean right they did oh not shy goodness. away from the gore like right away because that bone like clearly just like breaks right through her skin it's so gross it's so gross and you know of course then Misty who we love to call MFQ Misty fucking Quigley comes over and you know tries to do her thing with her first aid training and it doesn't work because she's trying to put pressure on it and you know when there's a bone sticking out generally like don't put pressure on it <laughs> just just a tip I mean you know yeah anyway um and then the uh there's a bonfire um that evening as well um the girls go to a bonfire um and shauna says that Allie can no longer travel to seattle to participate in the tournament because of her injury um shauna tries to start a fight with taisa but is then stopped by jackie and so what goes down during that little argument situation for when when they get into that like altercation i found that really interesting too taisa and shauna because that's like the only time that you see them argue throughout the whole first season like they were very much on the same page they were buddy buddy when they were out in the wilderness but for some reason like what taisa does like really really gets to shauna and really shauna, her. she calls her a sociopath you mm -hmm. know which is interesting because i think that title could fit some of the other players as well but that is interesting just given we also see shauna and ty you know very friendly in the adult timeline so that yeah. is out of character for them and and goes to show that something strengthened their bond while they were out there yeah but they um 
Jackie gathers all of the yellow jackets together and she makes them all stand in a line. And she says, I want you to each go down the line and tell every other girl on this team one nice thing about each other. And at least I've always thought that what they said was really important. Like she points out Thaisa's determination. Like she admires Thaisa's determination and Thaisa's determination to find help, like almost ends up getting Van killed because their expedition to find help just goes so south and it goes so wrong for so many reasons. Um, and then she goes to Van and tells Van that her smile makes her happy every time she sees her. And Van's face literally gets ripped off when the wolf attacks her. She tells Laura Lee that she admires Laura Lee's um, faith. And Laura Lee's faith is what leads her to fly the plane to try and find help. And we all saw how that ends up. Like, she ends up blowing up. So that doesn't work out very well for her either. Does not. No. Natalie is the only one that, like, I wasn't able to, like, make sense of in the sense, like, what she says trans like goes into their roles in the wilderness. Like she says that Natalie um, very much doesn't care what others think about her. And she's very much herself. And that does like, she does act like that in the wilderness, but it's not the same. It, it didn't have the same effect as the other three did. I don't think the things that she said about each of them. Right. I would agree with that. And, you know, the reason why Jackie's the one, you know, kind of giving this pep talk is because earlier in the episode, we see Coach Martinez essentially telling Jackie, look, you're the one who has the influence. You're the one that has the power. You know, essentially, she's like the queen bee at that point. Right. And we see the evolution of Jackie as a character and her, um, you know, fall from the crown, if you will, throughout the series. And then, of course, it culminates with her death in um, episode 10. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of like where we start, where we finish. We should do a side by side with that Jackie one. That would be, that would be good. Yeah. Yes. Um, let's see. Also in that episode, um, we learn about some of the girls' families. Um, we know that Lottie's dad, for instance, is the one that charters the plane that goes down. Um, and there was a line of dialogue in there, you know, that we thought was um, maybe important towards the end there. Um, Thank you, Mr. Matthews. What do you think about that? Does that hold any meaning, Emily? I mean, the way that they say it, like, it makes me think that, like, this isn't the first time he's done something like this for the team. Like, I think Lottie's dad very much equates money with affection. So I think that he inserts himself in the team in that way like multiple times like i don't think that him chartering the plane is the first time that he's done something for them right that makes sense and you know lottie's dad definitely seems to be the most well off of all of the um all of the people we also see um we see thaisa's family um which actually looks like kind of the most normally functioning family i i would say i don't know if that means there's like more under the surface but it seemed very loving and you know have fun on your trip like you know give me a kiss goodbye all the family gathered around for me that seemed to be the most um most like normal family situation yeah Um, especially compared to like you see Van like smacking her mom in the face to wake her up to take her to the to the bus or to the plane or whatever. And Natalie like doesn't have a good home life either. We see her like smoking a cigarette out of the trailer window before she leaves. Like 
she's kind of in the same boat as Van, I feel like, when it comes to her relationship with her parents. Absolutely. And, um, you know, kind of same with Ty. We see, uh, I mean, same with Nat. We see her, um, you know, at, at her trailer. We know that there's some dysfunction there. We learn, you know, about Nat and her dad and, and their relationship and how that yeah. plays in. Um, we saw Laura Lee playing in her bedroom. We saw Lottie's maid giving her a meal and some medication. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Shauna in her bedroom with her brown acceptance letter. Mm-hmm. Um, we had seen Jackie packing. Um, and then, you know, the Martinez goodbye, which is something that we'll cover when we actually talk to Kevin in a few weeks, a couple of weeks on February 27th. But that Martinez goodbye was awkward and I think really yeah. sets the table for something dysfunctional there. Um, you know, we don't know what yet, but yeah. they did that for a reason. The husband and wife looked very uncomfortable. Maybe he's cheating on her. Some people have been saying, you know, maybe Coach Martinez and uh, Coach Ben were having an affair. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I don't know that they needed that many condoms for that reason, Ben, yeah. that is. But um, anyway, so we get a little bit of context from some of the characters. Oh, and let's not forget we saw Misty sitting in the backyard of what looks like a very nice house watching a rat in the pool, um, which is probably going to drown. We don't know if she put the rat in there or it just happened to be in there and she was watching it. But either way, it definitely gives us a little insight into the mind of MFQ. Yeah, for sure. 100%. 100%. Also in the pilot, we get a little more context on some of the adults. We meet Jessica Roberts. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about how Jessica Roberts enters the picture and what it seems like she's up to in the pilot. So Jessica Roberts enters the picture when she approaches she approaches Shauna first right that's who we see her approach first and she comes to Shauna's house under the ruse that she's a reporter um and that she wants to interview her she tells Shauna that she has a book deal that Shauna can be a part of to tell her story and Shauna pretty much tells her to fuck off (laughs) like she is not interested like she tells her like you know I don't talk to reporters like this isn't something I'm gonna do but For some reason, Shauna humors her and allows her to come in and they get into a discussion about about what happened to them. And Shauna says to to Jessica Roberts, I know what you want to hear, but the truth is the plane crashed. A bunch of my friends died and the rest of us starved, scavenged and prayed for 19 months until they finally found us. Which always really stuck out to me because she says starved scavenged and prayed and prayed i thought could be either like you're praying to god or like you're being prayed upon yeah exactly like there's there could be dual meaning to it especially in this situation absolutely absolutely um so you know she says you know a bunch of her friends died but we've only seen really two deaths so far so mm-hmm. the other thing is we are expecting a lot more deaths in season two which is also something that the showrunners have confirmed there's going to be a lot more characters a lot yeah. more deaths um and then you know are they going to make it out of the woods in season two is another question like which we yeah. don't know i'm guessing probably not i think yeah. um it looked like shauna was still pregnant at the end mm-hmm. of season one pretty pregnant so i'm gonna say uh, or at the end of filming of season two i should say in the pictures even though they don't film in order my gut says we probably won't see the baby 
or lack thereof a baby until season three. So yeah, I agree. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, we also see adult Natalie in the pilot. Now she is in rehab. Um, something we've established is that we know Ty was paying for her rehab. So Ty knew where Natalie was, which Mm -hmm. could be significant because we know that Natalie receives a postcard Mm -hmm. and for her to receive a postcard, whoever sent it needs to know where she is. Did Ty have the postcard sent along with this whole deploying Jessica Roberts as her watchdog or did somebody else send the postcards? This is a mystery. We do not think it was Jeff. We know that Jeff, um, you know, uh, was the blackmailer, but we don't believe that he sent the postcards, but Shauna didn't get a postcard either that we know of. So, you know, that's also mysterious. I don't know what that means. But again, the whole postcard thing is quite a mystery. Um, But uh, Nat, again, she's in rehab wearing a purple shirt, by the way, which is interesting because um, we know that Lottie's cult colors are purple based on the purple scrubs they were wearing. Um, Just a really quick note on the cult. Uh, We are trying to come up with some names for the cult. We know they employ a symbol in the color purple. Uh, The purple is a color of spirituality and imagination. It inspires us to divulge our innermost thoughts, which enlightens us with the wisdom of who we are and encourages spiritual growth. It's often associated with royalty and luxury, and its mystery and magic sparks creative fantasies. And born to be purple means born to be royalty. So just a little side note on the cult colors. I think we see the purple, you know, here on Nat's sweater in rehab. She's wearing it again in season two when she's with Lottie. We see Misty wearing purple in Mm -hmm. season two. So I've got to say, I think the purple thing is definitely something that will come into play with the cult. So um, anyway, Um, so Natalie's in rehab. She's saying, you know, after she got rescued, she lost her purpose. Um, It's been heavily speculated that Natalie did something essential to their rescue. And maybe like that was her purpose. And now that she's rescued, she got her friends out. Like what else does she have to live for? Right. Yeah. Um, And, you know, she talks about keeping the tiger in the cage, which is interesting because we know that the pit is actually a tiger trap. So Mm -hmm. I feel that reference to a tiger, you know, also alludes to the tiger trap that was out in the wilderness that, um, you know, where pit girl lie. Yeah. So, whew, goodness gracious. You know, Dark Empire mentioned colors do play a huge role in the show, um, especially that red with the spill. That's another color that we see all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'm interested to see how the, the purple comes into play. Um, let's see. So what else from the pilot? Um, Shauna and Ty, um, had a conversation. Uh, tell us a little bit about what Shauna and Ty discussed. So this is at the very end of the episode. Um, we see Shauna go into her safe and she gets out, which I think it's a burner phone that she takes out of the safe and she calls Ty on, which I still don't understand that because, why so secretive when you reach out to her? But then from every interaction from that point on, there's no like level of secrecy anymore. Like, at least it doesn't appear that way. Like, it looks like they're just using their regular cell phones to be in contact with one another. And it just, like, like why in the first place are they not allowed to be in contact? That's just weird. Like, you go through a traumatic experience with somebody, you're bonded for life. Like in a way that no one else can understand. So it doesn't make sense to me why they don't want people thinking that they're in contact with one another. 
But Shauna says to Ty in when they have this meeting at the diner, she says, we agreed, say no more than we have to stay out of the public eye. And she says this because we all know that Thaisa is running for senator. And that's not a very good way to keep yourself out of the spotlight to run for political office. That no. is the last thing you should do if you don't want people asking questions about you. So that like to me, that's weird. They have this spoken agreement. So why now are you allowed to go against it and do what you want to do when for the last 25 years, you've been so afraid of these secrets getting out? It definitely does not fully add up. So it is interesting um, unless, you know, the cult is funding Ty's political campaign and, you know, uh, they're in her pocket and this is all a bigger, bigger picture part of that. So, yeah. Um, so that's that's interesting. Um, so episode one, the pilot, you know, we see a very like normal teen girl situation, right? Like yeah. this, this picture is interesting because we see the girls taking a knee kneeling down and it looks like um, Coach Ben actually is missing a leg or mm -hmm. two legs in that picture already. Mm -hmm. So there's some nice foreshadowing, which we see throughout, you know, I, I think there's a lot of foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, we had um, Roe Rusak on to discuss the cannibal council and fairy tale archetypes and she talked about like a metaphorical portal where you know you're all in this normal life uh you're in high school you're teenagers and then all of a sudden you're like transported through this metaphorical portal where like real life goes out the window so you're taking mm -hmm. this like fictional account and almost like transporting into like a more mythological mythological or fairy tale situation, which I really appreciated and thought mm -hmm. that was a, a really interesting perspective yeah. to look through that fairy tale lens. So if you haven't caught that episode yet on the Cannibal Council, we highly suggest you check it out. It's definitely got some interesting points about um, hierarchy and archetypes and that sort of thing. So yeah. definitely check it out. Um, just a couple other takeaways from the pilot. Um, one of my more disturbing things is every time she Shauna is masturbating to her boyfriend, uh, her Callie's boyfriend. Like that really grosses me out, right? Like I think it's like pretty um, predatory. I think it definitely shows Shauna's mindset. And also in a way it's like she's stunted at that high school age where yeah. like she, she never grew up past, you know, being a teenager. And I think that also manifests in the way that she interacts with Adam throughout, right? Like they're mm -hmm. acting like teenagers. They're like pretending they're buying liquor underage. They're jumping off bridges, like very young person activities, not yeah. as much something you'd see a 40 something year old woman doing. So, um, you know, I think that first thing with Shauna masturbating to a high schooler definitely gives us an indication about her trauma. And oh, again, yeah. lots of trauma throughout the entire um, first season with each character in their own different ways. And, you know, that's an early one that we see with Shauna. So just a note that I think that's super creepy. And I wouldn't think it so be, every time. Wouldn't it be so disturbing if she used Callie's vibrator? Oh my God, Emily. <laughs> oh my God. I like almost just threw up in my mouth. Mothers and daughters should not share vibrators. That is very no. awkward. I hope she did not. Oh my God. Like, oh my God. Take that picture out of my head. Take that picture out of my head. Okay. Moving she on. She has boundary issues. So. I mean, she definitely has boundary issues. And you know, if Callie's about to go take Jackie's like dead soccer uniform out of the closet. I mean, I guess what's to stop Shauna from like reaching and grabbing Kelly's vibrator, but like, let's hope that that didn't happen. Yeah. Please. please. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whew, okay. Um, 
you know, the other tidbit we talked about was the coach telling Jackie about her influence, which which kind of like foreshadows her eventual downfall in the wilderness. And then just a little 90s moment that I loved. Um, Lottie refers to Allie as Kelly Kapowski. Mm-hmm. I, I loved Saved by the Bell and I love 90s references. I love 90210. I love all of them, um, which I appreciate. Jackie Taylor, the name of Jackie's mom was the name of Kelly's mom in 90210. As I digress, I just wanted to point out, I love the 90s stuff. The Caboodle, we see, of course. Co-Ed Naked, which we have our collaboration coming very soon with them. Actually, we're meeting with them after this. Um, And then the 90s music, just really quick, from the pilot. The bangers, like, drew me into the show. Love the 90s music. We have Today from the Smashing Pumpkins, Shoop from Salt and Peppa, Let Me Find Out from Post Neg, Miss World Hole, Good Vibrations, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, Supernova, Liz Fair, Snow Informer, What If, uh, Dory Soul, Counting Backwards, Throwing Muses, Down by the Water, PJ Harvey. Love that song. And Never Tear Us Apart, Paloma Faith. I feel like the pilot has the bulk of all of the amazing 90s music, but there's more to come. Of course, Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It dance sequence in the cabin is also an amazing 90s nostalgia moment. So I love the shoop in the locker room. That's like my favorite. Oh, my God. That's like my go-to karaoke song. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. I love, love, love it. Okay. Let's move on to episode two, which is titled F sharp the description the teens get their bearings as misty finds hell on earth quite becoming in the present revenge sex homework and the policeman formerly known as goth (laughs) so let's pick apart maybe like three or four of the important things from this episode starting with it's the first time we see the symbol in the teen timeline after mm-hmm. coach Martinez falls from the tree. So that's definitely something important to note. First yeah. time we're seeing the symbol. Um, and, you know, Misty leverages her first aid training pretty heavily in this episode. Why don't you walk us through how the leg situation went? Oh, okay. So she, she finds, well, she hears coach Ben screaming and she, takes it upon herself to be the one to go and find him and help him. And that's when they discover him trapped underneath the, was it a wing of the airplane? Is that a wing or, or some piece of shrapnel? Yeah. Either way, it was a really big piece of the plane. And um, you couldn't see his leg like below his knee. And he just kept asking like, my leg, is my leg okay? Can you lift it? I, I was surprised that they could even lift that up. All I mean, I know there were a lot of them, but that looked like it was really heavy. Um, yeah. They lifted it, they pulled him out, and his leg is just, like, completely mangled from the knee down, like, real bad. Like, there's no saving that thing. She takes it upon herself to go grab the axe from the cockpit, and she comes back over, and she just chops that thing straight off. <laughs> Oh, my God. Straight up amputation. She cauterizes it. Um, It's pretty hard to watch. You know, we have the image with, like, the blood all over her face, which is, like, very, very MFQ. Mm -hmm. And that's when we really start to see, like, the dire situation. Like, when, you know, we have bodies impaled and in trees and people just losing their legs. Like, you know, shit's getting real out there. And this is, like, 
day one and they've got 19 months to go, which is insane. Yeah. Um, so yes. And, and in this episode, we also, you know, have coach Martinez, um, you know, falls from the tree. So that is, is a really sad moment. We, Laura Lee is kind of like looking up and, and some blood starts dripping down on her. So that was kind of an alarming way to find out, you know, that there's, um, a body up in the tree. Um, the black box plays into this episode as well. Um, you know, Misty overhears a couple of the girls saying how important Misty is. And she destroys the black box, which, again, it probably wouldn't actually help them get rescued, as we learned from our um, FAA expert, Sohal, your friend Emily, uh, your friend Emily. Um, but it's the intent behind it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that... None of them would have known that that would have had no impact on their rescue. So what would have mattered to them was the fact that Misty did what she did. Like Misty's intentions were to keep them there because she felt special. And if I were one of those girls and I found that out, like, I don't know what I would, what I would do to her. I mean, it's definitely one of the bad things she does, but there's so many that it's, mm-hmm. it is hard to choose. But I do think the intent of destroying the black box is maybe one of the worst, um, yeah. you know, aside from like the poisoning and the killing and the almost like, you know, molestation. So yeah. got, a few, got a few things going on there. <laughs> um, in the present timeline in this episode, Shauna and Jeff were kind of introduced to the behind the scenes of their marriage. Uh, they're in therapy and the mm-hmm. therapist gives them some sex homework to, you know, try some role playing and, and see how that goes for them. And like the first goes a little bit awkward. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit awkward. It was so funny, too, because when the therapist asks them, like, if they're willing to do it, like, Jeff is like, yes, like, absolutely. And Shauna's like, no, no way. Yeah, it takes a little warming up, I think, for her to get into the idea. Um, But in the same episode, Shauna also meets Adam. So Mm -hmm. this stranger rear-ends her car and, um, you know, he he gives her number on her arm. And Sean is pretty standoffish at this point. Like, she has no interest in him. But yeah. there's, like, a little undercover flirtation going on. And, um, you know, obviously Adam becomes a key character in season one. So that introduction is big. Yeah. Um, a couple things we can say definitively about Adam. Um, he's not Javi. That has been confirmed. Adam is not Javi, even though the showrunners did for a while um, maybe decide they were going to explore that option, um, which would explain, I think, why they look so much alike, why mm-hmm. technically the age could work, maybe why Adam has that little carved wolf in his um, apartment. But Adam is not Javi. Um, yeah. But again... The tattoos and the comment about the cabin in the Poconos. Like, I still, okay, maybe it's just the failed red herring from him being Javi, but I just still think there's something highly sus about that. I can't get over it. No, there's, you don't, knowing the trauma that somebody's been through, you don't ask them if they want to go spend a weekend in the environment that they were traumatized in. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's probably the last thing you would do. No. Um... We also see Natalie holding Misty at gunpoint in this episode, which is probably like one of my favorite quotes, I would say, um, in the whole thing. But setting the table for that first, Misty was out on a date and she's coming back with the date. 
And Emily, are people speculating that maybe Misty might up, be up to no good with some of these dudes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's so much speculation that, uh, especially considering the room that she has in her basement, like that her goal is to go on these dates with these men and she lures them back to her house and she either kidnaps or kills them and keeps them in her basement like we see with Jessica Roberts. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something there, you know, and, and uh, this particular date, um, you know, she kind of tricks him to coming inside and mm -hmm. she uses this line on him like, oh, I see. It's because you think I'm ugly that he doesn't want to come in. But we hear a very similar line again later on um, when she says it to Coach Ben um, mm -hmm. when she's a teenager and asked him to attend Doom coming with her. So is this like her go to like she plays like this oh poor me i'm so ugly everybody feel bad for me like wah, 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 right but yeah. hey maybe it works maybe it works the guy comes inside and um unfortunately nat is there and what does nat say to misty hello misty you crazy fucking bitch <laughs> love that love that mug by showtime you can get it in showtime shop by the way don't sleep on that um, yeah, so that puts a little damper on the date. And um, I loved her date's reaction too. like, as soon as she says that, like, he's like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I pro probably don't need to be here anymore. Um, and then, you know, it's just interesting, like what happens between Nat and Misty out in the wilderness that prompted Nat to go straight from rehab, fly there, get the gun and then go to Misty's like, what happens like what did she find out about misty what did misty do were they on opposite sides like what is going on there yeah i definitely think that there has to be something else that happens like misty's done plenty of crazy stuff but i feel like something had to happen directly between misty and natalie to make natalie feel this way towards her and I keep going back to Coach Ben because Natalie and Coach Ben developed this bond out there. And they like you see it in Doom coming when they have that conversation about Travis and Natalie and like he's trying to be there for her and be uh, support for her. So that makes me think that maybe she resents Misty because Misty might kill him or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, that definitely could be. It is not out of the realm. Um, and then, you know, Nat does discover that Misty also received one of the postcards. So, you mm -hmm. know, she, she Nat received the postcard. She wanted to check and see if Misty did. She did. Um, again, Shauna did not receive the postcard. Uh, we haven't discovered that part yet. But um, also, is, is the gun that Natalie has the same one from the wilderness? Like, did she take it back from the wilderness? Did she keep it in her storage all that time? Is it the same gun or not? What do you it think? Looks, it looks exactly like the gun that she has out there. I just can't figure out how in the world would she get the gun from the wilderness back to civilization, like, as a teenager. Like, why right. would they let a teenager just take a gun with them for no reason? Like, unless she grew, like, attached to the item or something like that. But, um... A lot, some people think that it's like a replica, but I feel like it would be more interesting if it was the actual gun. Oh, my God. That that would be incredible. I cannot yeah. wait to find out if it was or not, like, when we see them finally get rescued. Yeah. Um, a couple more things from F Sharp. Um, 
Uh, Natalie and Misty then embark on their road trip to go see Travis. Um, and Thaisa is concerned about the disturbing drawings that her son Sammy has been making. Um, oh, and Misty also gets bullied in this episode. We see her mm-hmm. a few years before um, now or before uh, 1996. She's on her lips phone and some girls are calling her to bully her. And that's when she delivers the line, opinion is the wilderness between knowledge and ignorance which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's just so much truth to that quote and so many things in life. And yeah. I just celebrate that every day. So, you know, there's two sides to every story. And, uh, you know, For that's, sure. just, that's just how it goes. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, let's see what else from this episode. Um, Adam says to Shauna, you don't seem like somebody who plays by the rules, which I think is another telling quote about Mm -hmm. the type of person Shauna is because Mm -hmm. clearly the rules went all out the window when they were in the wilderness. And I don't think that she's ever gained a sense of control or like normalcy back in her life. So I agree. Yes. Um, Let's see. What other notes did we have here? Um, We mentioned the first time we see the symbol in the teen timeline is after coach falls from the tree. And then, um, We also asked, is Lottie afraid of what will happen when she's off her meds? Um, You know, that's a discussion that we had before as well, like whether or not how many she brought with her. um, You know, was she having some of these visions before she was on the meds? Yes, because we saw the accident um, that she screamed at in the backseat, similar to how they filmed it with Sammy in the backseat. So there's almost like this thing where maybe Sammy becomes like, the new Lottie in terms of being like the seer or, you know, the shaman. So, um, you know, but they're, they're showing us that Lottie does not have enough medicine. So that will definitely factor into her mental state and, you know, the, the decline of, of things in the wilderness and the hierarchy and how they end up getting there. So, Yes, that is F sharp. And the next episode up is episode three, the dollhouse. The Yellow Jackets debate the merits of probably dying while staying put or probably dying while looking for shelter. Thaisa navigates a dirty attack ad. Mm -hmm. So they're three days in at this point on episode three, and it looks like Ty convinces the group to hike to a nearby lake. Um, And the group then eventually discovers the abandoned cabin and... A dead body in the cabin, mm-hmm. which is interesting that this cabin is out there so uninhabited in the mysterious woods with a, a body in it. Um, Lottie also says, like, right when they first get to the cabin, like, I don't even know if they've gone inside yet. Like, I just have a bad feeling about this place. So from the minute that Lottie lays eyes on that cabin, like, she has reservations about it for some reason. And at this point... Lottie is off her medication. So I think that factors into it because the last time we see her taking those pills is when they're all still near the plane wreckage. Like they show her with the pills in her hand and we don't see them again after that. So I think that that was kind of to show that this is the beginning of like Lottie's visions, if you want to call them that. Right. And, um, you know, Shauna also noticed that Lottie um, was taking her meds and and doesn't even comment on it at all. Like, so Shauna knows that she's on the meds and 
you know, probably realizes that eventually she will not have enough. But Shauna doesn't really seem to mention it to the group. And I'm curious, too, if did the rest of the group know she was on meds, you know, going into this or was it just discovered out there? Because, you know, she may not want people to know or maybe they did know. Yeah. I don't know. Because they uh, they obviously pick up on the fact that her behavior changes, but I don't know if they pick up on the fact that it has anything to do with her being medicated. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, other key points in this episode. Um, in 2021, Ty's political opponent, Phil Bathurst, airs a campaign ad insinuating mm-hmm. that she's a cannibal. Um, not good for her campaign. Um, Thaisa, her concerns for Sammy grow after he purposely hurts a child on the playground. Mm -hmm. And I think that moment is really when like things start to go downhill between Simone and Ty, because they clearly have different reactions to their son's Mm -hmm. behavior. Um, so, you know, this kind of sets in motion the demise of Ty and Simone and, you know, really what's going on with Sammy. So, you know, and as we know, things progress and escalate. So, you know, we'll cover those as we get to it. Um, So Shauna also follows Adam to a hotel. She sees Adam, spots him with another woman. And then Shauna and Adam are later shown uh, to go into a hotel room together. Meanwhile, Misty and Natalie find Travis's dead body at a ranch and conclude someone murdered him. Who and what was the alias he was going by? It was John Garcia, correct? Yeah. Yep. John Garcia. Yep. I and- have so many questions about that. The fact that he was going by an alias because, like, when Natalie approaches Kevin about finding out about his toxicology report, like, does Kevin? look under Travis's real name or does he look under his alias? And if it is his alias, how did Kevin not realize that that wasn't Travis's name on the file because he knew Travis? Right. I mean, you know, one thing we haven't discussed, is it possible he went into witness protection for some reason? I mean, Hmm. I, I don't know. I feel like he would have been more protected. Like there would have been more maybe secrecy or like, I don't know, a handler or something like that. But to totally change your name, like that's, it's pretty difficult and official and takes paperwork and there's a paper trail for it. So it takes a lot of work to disappear. It does. And, you know, Travis successfully did it, but Mm -hmm. not for long because obviously he got murdered, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which is not great. Um, And when Misty and Nat arrive at Travis's house, um, it's been theorized, as you mentioned, that Misty's the one who calls the cops after they break into Travis's. So why do you think that she would do that? The only reason I can make sense as to why she would do that is if she was still like affiliate, like if Lottie is this bad person that that killed Travis, then maybe Misty is still somehow affiliated with her and she did it as a way to like buy time for Lottie to set whatever plan she had in motion. And by getting them arrested, that gave her the opportunity to get to Travis before Natalie could get to Travis and to kill him. Right. And, you know, another question was Misty texting Kevin when her and Natalie are on their road trip to find Travis. Cause you know, she was doing that pretending to be Nat, which is so strange, but (laughs) not strange for Misty apparently. I mean, Misty really works hard for even to get on this road trip because she sabotages Nat's car, mm-hmm. forcing Nat to drive with her. 
Um, you know, and of course it's funny because they talk about like the show tunes and, and listening to things in the car. And then, you know, Misty comes back with jerky and Nat makes the comment about jerky really. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that just speaks to the foreshadowing of the cannibalism as well. And also think it's odd that Misty is eating jerky when she used to eat people. Cause you'd think that would shy you off of that a little bit, but (laughs) you know. (laughs) maybe not um another line of dialogue from um episode three wolves can kill anything if the pack is big enough and that is said by coach ben um you know it seems to be like he's hinting at the fact that um you know eventually the girls are going to hunt each other like wolves um you know it could have to do with like hunting strategies of wolves and how they end up hunting each other. But also we see wolf symbolism quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, the most notable is Van getting her face torn off by wolves. Yeah. Which is alarming. Yeah. Yes. And, and Ty sees the wolves. She hallucinates them at different points. Um, Javi carves that wolf for Shauna. Adam has that carved wolf. Van gets attacked by wolves. We have the wolf quote. So there's a lot of wolves. I would imagine that one of these um, adult cannibal council mask wearing people where I think I have a picture of them. Maybe not. Um, I would think one of them is wearing a wolf mask. Did Marie tell us that one of the teens was wearing wolf skins as well? I believe Ty. She said... I know she said Misty was wearing a beaver on her face, and I think she said that Misty was wearing a wolf on her body, too. But she might have said that Ty was wearing a wolf, too. Right. Somebody was wearing a wolf, though. So the wolf symbology, just another one of the things, you know, that we see as a running theme throughout. Same with things like spill. Um, You know, we hear and see that a bunch of times, too. Um, Let's see. Tell Nat she was right. Back to that note at um travis's house so misty uses her citizen detective skills and does that thing where you rub a pencil on a piece of paper and it will show the last thing that was written there like we've seen in lots of classic cartoons and detective shows so tell nat she was right what do you make of that note well for the longest time like i was reading it like tell natalie that natalie was right like the she in the note meant natalie but now i have like I'm like second guessing that and thinking maybe the she might not have been Natalie at all. Maybe it was referring to someone else. Maybe, but maybe it is referring to Natalie and maybe it just meant like tell Natalie that she was right, that Lottie's still around. Lottie is still a threat. And he was hiding because he didn't want Lottie to find him. That's, I mean, that would make the most logical sense to me. Absolutely. And then, you know, there are some pretty sus things regarding Travis's death scene as well. Mm -hmm. Um, We see a pendulum set up much like the one that the girls used in the seance, um, like with the knife that they used. Yeah, his Um, body is the pendulum. I'm convinced that his body is the pendulum. Yes. Yep. I I think that is absolutely like a metaphor for that. Uh, We see the candle wax on Mm -hmm. the ground which, you know, is interesting. And of course, then we see Misty, like then later able to connect all these dots from the death scene. Like I keep saying, like a survivor puzzle. Uh, I mean, how else could you ever put, arrange those photos like that? Yeah. 
come up with the symbol unless you knew what was going to be there. I mean, yeah. I just, I cannot see that making sense. No. And, you know, another thing is Jessica Roberts admits to Misty in the basement that she was there at some point, right? Mm -hmm. When was she there? Why was she there? Um, you know, we uh, suspect that she got him that bottle of liquor, which I believe was like, what, halfway gone? Mm -hmm. Or at least somewhat gone. So maybe she wasn't there super recently. It looks like he had enough time to like drink that liquor. But also Jessica Roberts found him. So how did she even find him? You know, yeah. I mean, with the fake name and everything, like there's got to be some third degree connection somewhere. Maybe Javi's alive and, you know, she tracked him down from there. There's always the possibility that Javi's the one that emptied the bank account because he's a family member. Mm -hmm. um, so <sighs> Javi's still a big mystery. Yeah, one of the biggest ones. And, you know, another um, another note, uh, Ty had said um, to Natalie about Travis is he disappeared on you for a reason. But like, what is that reason? You know, they seem yeah. to have had a pretty good thing going. Something I would like to see is more context and history of Nat and Travis communicating with each other within the 25 years. So we know, yeah. like, how involved were they? Did they chat on the phone once a month? Did they text here and there? Like, did they see each other? Did they ever relapse together? Um, I would really like to know. I feel like they have to show us like what happened between Natalie and Travis post rescue up until like where we're introduced to in the storyline, because I feel like that's important to who Natalie is as yes. a person. Absolutely. So I can't see them like, and not only that, like we've seen, I know there was like a, a scene that they cut out of season one where they showed adult Travis like walking out of his house. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. It was shown in the trailer, but it was never shown in the show. So maybe we will see more of adult Travis in season two. I'm hoping hmm. anyways. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, gosh, that would be really nice. I love answers, Emily. I love answers, yeah. you know. Um, as we progress through our Yellow Jacket Season 1 recap, we are going to move on to Episode 4, which is Bear Down. Uh, the girls play with guns to determine who is the most responsible. Natalie untangles a lifetime of piecing together broken men. And Thaisa greets the rich. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, and uh, just to give a quick like rundown of some of the action in this, and then we can dive a little bit um, a little bit deeper. Um, the group finds a gun with a large supply of ammo inside the cabin and they experiment with shooting. Um, it is determined under Coach Ben's um, supervision that Natalie and Travis prove to be the best suited to handle the firearm. And then that kind of starts Natalie and Travis like bonding together. This is the first time we really see them, you know, coming together. Um, and I think that's important, and it really sets the tone for their, their relationship, you know, in the wilderness throughout from here on out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they do end up hunting a deer, and they also um, – this is when they recover the ring from Travis's dad, which was, like, really emotional. Um, you know, Travis goes back to get the ring from his dad, and um, they uh, – he can't do it. It's like pretty emotional. So yeah. Nat, Nat is the one who ends up actually like digging it out and getting the ring, which I really think shows her strength of character and also mm -hmm. the compassion, you know, she has for Travis, who's going through this giant trauma, um, losing his dad, 
you know, he's still got his brother out there, but, you know, he's angry about it. He was angry at Javi for keeping the chewing gum. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this anger is now maybe turning into more sentiment because he does, you know, want that ring and, and has Natalie get it for him. So, yeah, it makes me wonder if the ring will come into play in the future. Like we see Jackie's necklace too, because I know that he wanted to get it for Javi, but it's another token of somebody that died. And between the necklace and the nightgown that Pit Girl wears, I feel like that's going to be like a recurring theme that they use items from people who died. And maybe it's like to signify the next sacrifice. I don't know. Absolutely. And, you know, then we also saw the talisman, right? The unburned deer bone that Lottie gave to Van to protect them when they um, end up leaving. So there are a lot of symbols of protection here, um, either protection or, you know, maybe a mark. So Mm -hmm. hopefully we will get more clarity on that as well. Um, So this episode with the gun, we also learn um, Natalie's abusive father had died um, when a gun accidentally discharged. There was Mm -hmm. that like really emotional scene between Nat, her dad and her mom. And what kind of guilt do you think that Nat lives with having been there and been a part of her father's death? How do you think that type of trauma is helping or hurting her out in the wilderness? I feel like it does both. Like, because she has experience with death. So seeing people dying, like, it's not like it's not a shock to her, but like she's been through it before. But at the same time, like, you know, she's still afraid because she like when she watched her dad die, like she looked terrified, like, and she looked like she felt almost partially responsible because before her dad took that gun and started playing with it, she had it in her hands and she had it with the safe. Did she have the safety on or off? Cause I know the dad, like that's where the dad messes up. The dad is like showing her like, I think she on, had it on. Off. Yes. And then he must've turned it off. And then, you know, and then, then when he, he walks down the stairs, away. he trips and the gun goes off. Yes. So if she had never been holding it, and he never took it from her, then he might not have made that fatal mistake of leaving the safety off. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point, I do think that the characters who have experienced trauma out in the real world before this crash, it does serve them well to a point, you know, because they're experienced in having hard feelings and hard situations. And, you know, a girl like Jackie, who's always kind of lived her life on a, on a silver platter, um, you know, that definitely speaks to that. Oh, hey, you know what? Phoenix chimed in here. Uh, there's a picture in Travis's house of adult Nat and Travis. You know what? Mm-hmm. That is a really good point. We should pull a screenshot of that and look at it. So that means that they they were together at some point, you know, in their adult lives. Um, the picture looks like it's like more recent than not recent too. Hmm. So I feel like, I mean, it has to be recent enough, but just the way that like things seem between Natalie and Travis, it feels like it's been a couple years since they've been in contact with each other because she seemed genuinely surprised that Misty found him in the first place. So he had to have disappeared from her life in one way or another for some reason. 
Right. And I wonder maybe that prompted her to go to rehab or like fall off the wagon or whatever. Like Travis disappears on her and that's like her closest person in life, yeah. you know, because like Ty and Shauna mentioned, like they each have a family. Nat doesn't have that. So maybe that was some kind of trigger for her, you know, that that caused her to go into rehab. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um Let's see. So more things that happen in episode four, Bear Down. Um, the rest of the group finds a functional propeller aircraft, which, again, we suspend disbelief and we know eventually that will take off. But even though it seems like it, it really shouldn't. Um, Shauna bonds with Javi, um, which, again, I think, you know, if they were going to go the direction that Adam was Javi, this was something to establish that. Of course, yeah. now we know that is not the direction they went. So it just speaks to, you know, maybe Shauna having some kind of maternal instincts out there because it doesn't seem like she has a lot of maternal instincts um, as she moves into adulthood. Um, Thaisa rejects an endorsement from a powerful potential donor when they try to probe into her past. That's, of course, um, Diane Raffleson. Um, we have that scene where they're kind of privately together smoking cigarettes. And, and Diane asks Ty to confide in her about what happened. And how does she answer? Yeah. She tells her to go fuck herself. <laughs> yep. And it's like, I mean, it's almost like the bad one there right it's like she yes. shifts a little bit like she gets that look in her eye is she in a fugue state i mean at this fundraiser we saw her already um hallucinating we uh, one of the platters went by and mm -hmm. what what did she see on one of the platters was it like a, a deer head a deer head yes mm -hmm. um and i think did she also see a wolf that night there yep. yes so we know that you know maybe this is a trigger maybe it's stress that triggers her and maybe that's you know kind of where some of this stuff is coming out but um it's a pretty key moment when she basically tells her to go fuck herself because yeah. um it's more important to tie to maintain her self-respect to maintain the promise she made to the group than to give in for political purposes and you know for a politician that takes a lot of strength i feel yeah. like most politicians will take the money and and run oh, yeah. um but obviously it's something very big to protect that she yeah. does not want to get out there so um that is important uh also in bear down uh shauna and adam begin their affair they have a crazy night um again kind of like reenacting some of shauna's miss teen fantasies which shows again her kind of like stunted growth being yeah. stuck as a teenager and i think that's you know one of her one of her many traumas that she undergoes um, is this kind of stunted growth. And then uh, Misty has an encounter with Jessica while she's shadowing Nat and Kevin. And Misty calls Shauna to tell her that Travis is dead. Um, interesting that Misty would call Shauna because those yeah. two clearly had not talked in some time. Shauna seems very, very, very upset by the news too. Like, and it makes me question if it's because she like almost kills him at doom coming or if there's more to it than that because yeah like you held a knife to his throat but like you are you were tripping on mushrooms so i feel like a little bit of that behavior is excusable so it makes me really think that like they form some kind of a bond with each other in some way out there. And like, they have a relationship that's independent from Natalie and Travis because Travis is allowed to have relationships with other people. Oh, Oh, of course. Yeah. Definitely. 
and he's the only guy out there too. So, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. Um, you know, just some other notes of dialogue from this episode that were important. We talked about, you know, Nat and her dad. Um, and her dad says to her at one point, I don't know what you're so scared of, Natty. You've already got blood on your hands. We're almost there. It's been waiting for us. Um, and that is in Nat's uh, dream that she has mm-hmm. about her dad. Um, is the blood on her hands in reference to her father's death or something else like from the wilderness? Um, in the finale, um, Cabin Daddy says something very similar to Jackie. He says, we've been waiting for you. And I feel like, you know, there's got to be something related between those two lines of dialogue. They're almost the same. So, yeah, like we've been waiting for you. It's been waiting for us. Like what has been waiting for you? What has been waiting for them? 100%. Um, And then also in this episode, um, you know, the bad things happened here. Uh, Nat wakes up and sees Lottie sitting up, staring in the attic. And this is one of the first like Lottie premonition type moments that happens Mm -hmm. um, when she's off her meds. So that is telling. Yeah. And Natalie responds to that by telling her like we buried him like he's gone. But that doesn't seem to have any effect on the way Lottie feels about the situation at all. Nope, not at all. Um, And then, you know, we see the symbol again. Uh, Let me just pull up a picture of the symbol to remind us all what it looks like for somebody pointed out on Reddit recently that the first time you see the symbol it looks like the symbol was freshly carved. I read that and I agree. It does look freshly carved because you would think if it was from the time when the dead hunter guy was back there, like in, I don't know, 70s, 80s, whatever, like it would look a little more deteriorated. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that is true. It does look fresh. And how is that? Who's carving it into the trees? We know that Showtime said they weren't alone out there. Is it the spirits? Is it another clan? Are they, you know, is this other group maybe living in this alternate shelter that we see? We we have the airplane door on it around some shelter that's built up. I don't know if it's around the airplane, if it was an existing shelter or a meat locker or underground where Lottie had her premonition. But um, boy, there is a lot to hope for and discover yeah. in season two there. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, So, yeah, the symbol, um, you know, it's like at that point they make the connection that the symbol carved into the tree is probably the same symbol carved into the attic floor. Um, Lottie also says it didn't want him to leave, which is an overarching theme we see throughout because, you know, as we know, when the girls try to leave – it doesn't work when Laura Lee tries to fly or when they try to hike out, it does not work. Um, It doesn't want them to leave. So um, yeah, I, uh, I don't, I, again, just can't wait to find out how they actually end up leaving. And, you know, they're saying in like the teasers, Oh, we took the darkness with us. So, you know, even if they leave, it seems like it's always going to be inside of them, this darkness or this force. And, you know, I mean, gosh, I wonder if there'll be a spinoff like a few years down the road where like the next group goes. They'll make it like the wilds and they'll have like boys for the second season mm-hmm. and then then it'll get canceled. But anyway, I digress. Um, OK, so uh, that brings us to episode five, which is Blood Hive. 
got a little pick of Callie up there. Um, would you like to read the description uh, given by Showtime of Blood Hive, Emily? Out in the wilderness, the girls ride the crimson wave and plan a dark art slumber party. Misty, Natalie and Misty tame a stallion. On Halloween night, Shauna parties like it's 1996. Yes. Um, blood Hive, you know, um, Travis had that good quote, you know, it feels like I'm in a blood hive out here. All the girls are having their periods. They very smartly fashion feminine products for themselves. Of course, the only person who is not bleeding at this juncture is... Shauna, because she is pregnant with Jeff's baby. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, we, we didn't specifically mention it, but we know that Shauna and Jeff were having sex. Um, probably started when they were on a break. Jackie and Jeff were on a break. But either way, we know it started. We know they were having sex. We know Shauna also said, you know, don't come inside me or I'm going to raise this baby to be like a trained killer and come and assassinate you or whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Shauna's pregnant. Um, nobody knows yet. Uh, Ty will find out soon. But um, at this point, she's still playing it off like she's having a period. Yep. Um, in this episode, Lottie officially runs out of her medication. Um, some relationships form between Ty and Van, as well as Natalie and Travis. And this is when the group holds the seance in the attic where Lottie appears to become possessed. Yes. Uh, ben is also poisoned by Misty. He does not die. And in order for, get, uh, for her to leave him alone, Ben actually decides to, like, play along with it and says that he has feelings for her, um, which I don't know if that's the best tactic with Misty, but, like, no. I feel like there's almost no winning tactic with Misty, so he chose one and he went with it, and yeah. we'll see how it goes. Um, Shauna actually does tell Thaisa she's pregnant because Ty kind of, like, figures it out. Um, for now, Ty keeps it to herself. In 2021, um, Thaisa finds the word spill painted on the front door of her home. Um, now, spill, 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 spill. Spill is important. We see it a few times. We also hear it. You know, Jackie mm -hmm. tells Shauna to spill when she's talking about, like, the first time she has sex. Um, so this spill comes into play quite a bit, and that's mm -hmm. the first time we see it. Um we Spill. also hear it um, when Thaisa's at her her dinner with Diane Rappelson. She's talking to an older couple, and the older couple's asking her what happened out there. And they said, like, what did you really have to resort to out there? And the old lady says, spill, spill, spill. And I, I feel like there's also a couple more mentions of spill. There are. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's it figures so prevalently, you know, throughout the dialogue that – you know, and then, of course, like some of it's like metaphorical, some of it's like physically spilling the blood, like actually spilling, you know, when they're hanging pit girl upside down and they're butchering her, mm -hmm. um, which, God, by the way, I just can't get over that, like opening pit girl scene. I mean, every I time I see it, I'm like, wow, can't believe they just like butcher people out there. But, you yeah. know. So goes the battle of cannibalism. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Thaisa also confronts Sammy after discovering the container of paint in his room. Um, she, of course, puts it underneath his bed, which is pretty messed up, right? Because yeah. like she's like, setting him up to blame him for doing it when... And it has to it. be her in her fugue state doing this because when she finds the paint there, like she looks at it like... Where did this come from? So she clearly has no recollection of anything. So why would she remember framing her own kid? 
And, you know, of course, Sammy denies it and says it's the lady in the tree. Um, I feel who, so bad for him. I mean, the poor, speaking of trauma, like the poor trauma that that poor young boy is going through. I mean, he didn't even experience going in the wilderness and living there for 19 months. But just being the son of Thaisa who did experience that trauma, unfortunately, yeah. it is really rubbing off on him. And, and there are some crazy things going on. There is the potential genetic thing. You know, if Sammy is Ty's biological child, we, of course, did see Ty, um, you know, with these hallucinations when she was a younger child at yeah. her grandmother. She sees, you know, the Michael Jackson looking guy with no eyes. Um, we see him a couple times in, mm -hmm. in season one, but um, you know, is it possible that it's just environmental and he's experiencing these things based on what he's observing and seeing and, you know, his mom being in fugue states or um, maybe it's a combination. Maybe he has some kind of, um, you know, some kind of mental disorder that Ty has that, you know, they both see something. I don't know. To be determined. I, I think Sammy knows more about her than she wants him to know. Because wh how else w can you explain the drawings on his window? Like, right. Like, where is he seeing these things from? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and one of them looks mysteriously like, um, like Adam's back tattoo of the mountains, which I think is very strange, like with the lines and circles and stuff. So like, mm -hmm. where's that coming from? Yeah. Um, kind of crazy. Uh, and then in this episode, um, Thaisa ends up getting further attacked politically. The attack ads are increasing and, um, she actually thinks about dropping out of the Senate race and then decides not to, um, which is kind of crazy because she tells Simone she's going to drop out. And then, you know, like the spill visual kind of triggers her during that press conference and she decides to stay in the race. And I think that was also not helpful for her and Simone's relationship. She also sees the man with no eyes during her press conference. And it's like after she sees him is when she changes her tune and she decides not to drop out of the race anymore. So I feel like seeing him like set something off in her. God, that is so crazy. Um, also in this episode, it is Halloween and um, Shauna attends a Halloween party with Adam and happens to see um, Callie there. Callie then learns about Adam. Callie, of course, is wearing Jackie's old yellow jackets uniform, which yep. kind of triggers this almost hallucination with Shauna. She thinks that she's seeing Jackie, but it turns out to, you know, actually be her daughter. Um, so, yes, Callie does find out about Adam that night. Um, additionally, Natalie and Misty get access to Kevin's files and they learn that the ritual ritual was held where Travis was murdered. Um, again, like we saw Misty putting together the pieces and it just adds this extra depth of, of this puzzle box situation. Like what, why, how, like what's going on here? Um, eventually Nat calls Ty to her motel room, telling her what she's learned, and they call Shauna to tell her, but learn that Misty had already let her know. Meanwhile, yeah. Misty's watching them all through an owl hidden camera, Emily. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think the owl is a coincidence either. If we look at the, um, I do have a photo of these adult cannibal masks here somewhere. And there's an owl one, which I find to be very suspicious. Here we go. Mm -hmm. 
Um, again, these are the adult cannibal council members. We have very clearly um, what looks like a biscuit mask. We have what looks like a Caligula mask. We have an owl. We have what looks like a goat. We have a rabbit. We have a deer. So, you know, there is some speculation. We, we saw this in the season two teaser that perhaps these animals represent sacrifices that each one of the adults has made um, in the present day. So perhaps the owl could figuratively stand for the destroyed um, diffuser. Perhaps mm -hmm. Caligula was sacrificed, and that's why we saw Misty crying like a baby. Uh, we know that Biscuit, his head was on the altar. So could that be, you know, tie up there? Um, and then, of course, we have the bunny, and then we have um, a deer. So yeah. um, I've got to say there's there's probably some kind of meaning with that. Um in terms of, you know, we have our teen cannibal council, which we see the costumes are much more rudimentary. Um, they are not put together nicely like those adult masks. So we did cover this very, very in depth in our cannibal council episode. So again, don't miss that. Yellowjacketshive.com. Um, but back to this one. Um, again, I think the big takeaways from this episode, you know, spill was figured in very prevalent, prevalently. Um, oh, and then the line from Stallion 99, right? The citizen detective, the stiff in this file, I looked him up. He doesn't exist. Yeah. So, that make like, that made me so, wonder so much. Like, was he looking up John Garcia or was he looking up Travis Martinez? Because like we saw on Travis's license that it states that his name is John Garcia. So why would he be going off of another name if that's it's, the information he was given? It's bizarre, the whole John Garcia thing. So hopefully yeah. we'll get more answers into the um, the context of that. Um, again, they had the seance. The symbol thing is totally seance says Jackie. Such a Jackie line to say. Um, and then, you know, Lottie keeps saying some different things during it. Like it wants, it wants. She kept saying that it's in you already. Lottie says to Shauna during the seance, which we can assume she was referring to Shauna being pregnant or maybe whatever's out there with them. Um, and it begs the question, was Lottie possessed by the hunter? And how else was she speaking fluent French? If yeah. she was not good in French class, like the pieces don't add up. I love that moment when when Van's like, well, try or try not to, Jackie, when she tells her like not to suck at French. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, we have Javi asking if we're all going to die out here after he does the knife starts making an infinity symbol or the number eight. Could that indicate only eight of them end up surviving or do eight people end up dying? Um, Shauna does say to Jessica Roberts that a bunch of her friends died and eight is certainly a bunch. Yes. Um, yeah. Another observation. What did Natalie say about Cabin Daddy's fingers? She she makes it's at the very beginning of the episode um, when they are dancing in the cabin to this is how we do it. And they hear a noise upstairs. And Natalie said maybe it's the dead guy's fingers trying to make their way home or something like that, like implying that like his fingers were cut off of his body, which I just thought that that was like a really weird detail that they would point that out. That is weird. You know, with no fingers, you can't shoot a trigger. So, may so maybe true. it would have like prevented him from killing himself. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Um, so true. Just an idea. Um, yeah. 
some other lines from this episode. Lottie, aren't you cold, uh, Jackie? And she said, yeah, actually, I thought it'd be a little bit warmer. Um, throughout, we hear these references to the cold and to Jackie. And of course, eventually, Jackie meets her fate being frozen to death. So just, you know, a little bit more foreshadowing written in there. Um, and then you had a note in here, too, that Callie looks at Adam like she may have seen that seen him before. Is that possible? Yeah. And is that from the Halloween party? Yeah, it's when Shauna and Adam stumble upon Callie and Callie tells her mom that she's on Molly and just the look that she gives Adam, like her eyes like linger on him for a very long time and she looks like she may have seen him before. I don't know if that's true, but it's possible. I mean, you never know. And, you know, we've got a comment here from Board now. Uh, the Halloween episode is a standout episode. Love the Daria reference. Same, same, same. Shauna, of course, says um, anybody who uh, knows Daria or anybody who recognizes Daria is okay. Or wait, what is it? Um, the people who recognize remember. Daria are cool. The something. people who recognize Daria matter or something like that. Yes, yes. And of course, Daria was a, a very notable 90s cartoon. So mm -hmm. Shauna is absolutely right. Um, okay, now we are on to episode six, Saints. Uh, the Yellow Jackets tangle with the birds and the bees, navigating love, lust, and DIY surgery. In the present, blackmail, bunnies, and an icy reunion. And Misty prepares for... A surprised house guest. <laughs> yes. And, you know, something interesting from this episode, um, we see a flashback where Lottie distracts her parents in the back seat as another uh, car is involved in a fatal accident. Um, and it's the same episode. We see Sammy shot the same way in the back seat where it's like some kind of premonition. So just the mm -hmm. way that they stylistically, you know, made those visuals match and they're both kids in the back seat. I do think there's some correlation um, between that. Um, Shauna tells Thaisa the baby is Jeff's um, and Shauna attempts to do her DIY abortion in this episode. And for me, mm -hmm. that is one of the toughest scenes to watch, I think, yeah. in the entire first season. And I think they handled that very well. I think it's important that we're always conveying the message of, you know, a woman's right to choose no matter yeah. where you are, whether you're out in the wilderness, whether you are in regular civilization, whether you're anywhere, um, we should always have that choice. Um, Absolutely. But just the emotion I think conveyed, you know, between Shauna and Ty really deepens their bond. And I think that's why we see them remain so close, especially, you know, as they move into adulthood. And Shauna was willing to like jeopardize dying over letting this secret get out. Like that says so much like about how much she that will I mean, she values her friendship with Jackie, but at the same time, she doesn't because she did what she did behind Jackie's back. But, like, she obviously feels guilty about it because she doesn't want her to know. I mean, she has to feel guilty, right? Like, you know, it's when her and Jackie have that conversation, you know, and, and Jackie says, like, you know, how did how did this happen? And not even, like, her being pregnant, but, like, how did you lose your virginity and not tell me, right? Like, yeah, that... I think for Jackie was a moment that was like, 
you know, and then for Shauna, I mean, again, that guilt, like, how do you carry around that guilt? Even if they were on a break when they started sleeping together, you just don't sleep with your best friend's boyfriend or recent ex-boyfriend. That's just not cool. Like, we don't Mm -hmm. do that. So not cool. But again, it establishes her guilt on the thing. Um, Other takeaways from this episode, uh, Lottie begins having hallucinations of a deer. Um, She tells Laura Lee and Laura Lee baptizes her. Um, Of course, during that baptism, Emily, we see some strange things happen. Yes. Um, Well, I feel like this. It was equally as strange like that she envisioned that fireball behind Laura Lee's head as it was when they show her in this vision. They show her in this like to me, it looks like an underground tunnel for like an industrial type complex kind of building. The the tunnel that you see Lottie in where she sees this deer and she follows the deer to this hallway and there's a hallway that has a staircase with candles lining the staircase and she walks up the staircase and starts lighting the candles. Um, A part of me feels like they showed us this place because we're going to see this place factor into the storyline somehow. Absolutely. I mean, you know, this could be what's underneath this shelter right here. I mean, it's possible. It doesn't look maybe as industrial as it does, but you never know, right? What's on the surface versus what's Mm -hmm. down below. I mean, it could be built up and, you know, it could look any, any different way. So, um, so yeah, that baptism was definitely, um, a a little premonition of what's to come, right? Like we definitely see Laura Lee, um, meeting her fate there. And, you know, it's, it's kind of Lottie's way of like trying to like almost do the right thing or be under the right power on the right path. Like it's probably scary. All these things are happening. Like she's probably having these, you know, delusions of grandeur and maybe this is her way of trying to apply some kind of like faith or even reasoning to it. I don't know. But um, so that was definitely um, a big scene. We also see Natalie and Travis um, kill the maggot infested deer. So that deer that was all sick and infested, like, is that a metaphor for like the sickness of the forest and the forces at play out there? Because like that is not normal to see such a sick deer. Is it is it no. eating this like, you know, red water we end up seeing eventually? Like mm. what is causing the deer to be sick? Yeah. And gross also, by the way. Yeah. Um, Laura Lee concludes that Lottie is having premonitions. Um, in 2021, in episode six, uh, Natalie and Thaisa tell Shauna what happened to Travis. Uh, Ty's wife, Simone, makes an appointment with a child psychologist who says that Sammy has stress. Natalie and Kevin Tan, so cute together, by the way. I'd love for them to end up together. Um, they grow feelings for one another and they have sex. Um, Misty kidnaps Jessica. Late at night, Thaisa is revealed to be the lady in the tree. So things are happening. Creepy reveal, too. Oh my God. Yes. And like with all the like lady in the tree stuff and, and the dirt and the bite on the hand, like the bite on the hand, you know, I really go back and forth if it if it was a dog bite, biscuit biting her, or if it was self-inflicted as a way to wake her up and get her out of that fugue state. So yeah. I still cannot say for certain where that bite came from. But what do you think? Do you think it's a uh, human or a dog? I think it's the dog. 
Yeah. I think that that is from when she killed the dog and the dog was fighting back and trying to like save itself. Right. I mean, I guess it will be determined, but we do know that Biscuit is gone. So there will yep. be no more Biscuit and hopefully Ty will not be um, rescuing or owning <laughs> any other animals uh, in the future. Yeah. Um, so another thing from this episode, why doesn't Shauna receive a postcard? We know mm -hmm. the postcards were not sent by Jeff because Misty receives one and not a blackmail text. When we see Shauna with the postcard, it's only because Natalie gave her hers and she pocketed it. Um, is it possible Sean is being protected in some way from who is sending them, which would be a fit if Shauna's baby did survive in the wilderness and had something to do with the postcards and was part of Lottie's group. So, Emily, do you think that she's, like, marked safe from the cult? I think if her child factors into the equation, then yes. I think she's definitely, like, marked, like, off limits. Like, you can't touch her. And I think that would be the easiest like explanation as to why she didn't receive one but if the child if her child doesn't live and she's being protected I have no idea why she's being protected right I mean if it did live you know it could be that her child is a metaphorical or physical um sacrifice like she yeah. sacrificed her child to stay with the cult so maybe her hers was like the ultimate sacrifice and therefore you know she is protected um, yeah it's a possibility mm -hmm. it's a possibility um let's see uh episode seven no compass as starvation looms, Thaisa leads a last-ditch effort. Amid felony schemes and all-night stakeouts, the Yellow Jackets are forced to partake in small talk. <laughs> so, episode seven. All right. That's right. That is when Ty cuts her hair. Um, I think them leaving for the expedition is definitely a turning point. Um, you know, they're trying to get out. Uh, Thaisa, Van, Misty, Akila, and Mari all agree to go. Um, as they depart, of course, Lottie tells something to Van. What does she say? She go. She goes over to the deer carcass that they burned, the sick deer, and she finds the only bone that for some reason didn't burn when they killed this, when they burned the deer's body. And she like makes it into a necklace and she gives it to Van and she asks Van to wear it because she tells her that she thinks it's going to keep her safe. Yep. And uh, also Lottie says that they will encounter a river of blood, blood yes. and red smoke, yes. which they do. And there could be a scientific explanation. It could be some kind of, you know, mineral issue with the water. Um I don't know. I don't see a lot of red rivers out there, but, um, you know, again, there could be a scientific meaning for it or, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's again, some way of the forest keeping them out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they walk, they find the red color colored river. Um, later they are attacked by a pack of wolves. Um, Thaisa defends the group. She uses a flare gun, but Van is severely wounded. What really gets me with the Van scene every single time is that they're like so eager to burn her. Like, she probably had a weak pulse, but I just would have given her more time making sure she was alive before, yeah. like, burning her to death. I mean, she almost burned to death in the airplane, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she almost burns to death again. Like, viva la van. She's got, like, nine lives, apparently. But, um, yeah, I just think they should have, like, waited another minute to see if she was alive before they started burning her. My two cents. 
one thing I always found really weird about that scene was why didn't they take the wolf so they could eat it? Like, why? Like, they kill this animal and you have no food. So why wouldn't you capitalize on the fact that you just killed this animal that could feed you? I always just thought that was so weird. Yeah, no, it is weird. I, I feel like, you know, the adrenaline, like, I yeah. mean, there's a lot of like trauma. That was another like very traumatizing scene. Yeah. So I feel like they probably also just didn't have the capacity to think clearly having seen it's what true. happened. And yeah. like, I mean, imagine looking at Van's poor, like bloody face. Oh my God. And mm-hmm. did a great sewing job. Like her scars look really great on adult Van in the present day. So Um, you know, but again, she shouldn't have survived. Like it's, you know, the wilderness doesn't want them gone, but it doesn't necessarily want Van dead either. So I think there's something to that. Um, other things that happen in this episode, Shauna tells Jackie she's pregnant, but she lies about who the father is. Of course, she pretends that it was Randy. Um, but Jackie will end up putting the pieces together. She knows she's smart. Um, did did Shauna really think that Jackie would buy that it was Randy to begin with? Like, I feel like she had no choice but to go yeah. that route because I don't think that she ever could have uttered the truth to her unless she was forced and knew that there was proof. Like, yeah. I I mean, I don't know that she could have come up with a better story either because she didn't really have any other, like, dudes on the wings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Randy would have made the most sense. But unfortunately, she got caught in a lie. Jackie probably started questioning it. And then later that night, Jackie read the diary. So. Yep. Um, you know, that's when shit really goes bad between Jackie and Shauna, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2021, Natalie, Shauna, and Ty agreed to pay the blackmailer the $50,000. Um, after spotting the blackmailer, the group chases them. The blackmailer falls into a box of glitter during the pursuit. Misty questions Jessica, believing her to be the blackmailer. Jessica reveals she was hired by Ty to learn about the rest of the group. Back home, Shauna has sex with Adam, finally. And in the morning, they're almost caught by Jeff. Um, And then Kevin learns that Natalie used his gun, but she does not tell him why. So a lot of things happen during episode seven, No Compass. Um, I think the episode is named because of the wackiness of the girls trying to get out of the woods. And there's literally like no compass in the world that would have gotten them out of there because they weren't meant to leave. Yeah. the blackmailing, I think one of the funnier things from the blackmail episode was when Shauna like filled up the bag with random things because the 50 grand looked so small. I just thought that was a really nice comic relief in, you know, such a hectic, crazy time. I loved that. I liked that she pointed out that um, Jeff kept the bag that Callie made too. like said it was like part of his special keeps and Natalie's like, oh, you're not as sentimental as your hubby is like. I felt like there was more to why Natalie said that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and well, it's funny too, cause she kind of took a shot at Jeff a little earlier and was like, Oh, is your husband still hawking futons or whatever? So, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit, a little bit on both sides of the Jeff there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you know, it made me really sad that, Natalie kind of betrayed Kevin Tan with the gun because I really did want to see them together. But like Nat needed the gun. She used it. You know, she did what she thought she had to do. But it's just a bummer that the poor, you know, poor victim here is Kevin Tan. Like she's messing with his gun. Such a nice guy just trying to help her. And Nat's just kind of using him. You know, it's a little sad. She goes like so extreme too. like when she like 
is telling him that like whatever happened between them was just sex like she's so harsh and she's so mean i felt so bad for him in that moment absolutely um another line of dialogue i thought that was important from this episode was um we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her so i do what i can not just for her for me and Thaisa says that and it kind of further supports the theory that Natalie does do something in the wilderness that ends up being essential to their survival and that could be why Ty agrees to pay for Nat's rehab because Mm -hmm. why else would she be paying for her rehab I mean there's got to be a reason yeah she's like indebted to her in some way absolutely and again it goes back to you know maybe they did burn the cabin down and Nat got them out. There was that line about the flamethrower too. I know mm-hmm. we have it in our notes somewhere. What was it? Did Shauna say, she said, are you going to grab a flamethrower and just go up and down route nine knocking on doors? Um, Emily, tell us why that kind of like stuck out to you. It stuck out to me just because that's a very like specific thing to say to somebody. Like you're going to grab a flamethrower of all things to say you're going to grab. And there's just been such like heavy speculation in the fandom that Natalie does end up like burning down the cabin to either save them from Lonnie or she does it to try to create a signal fire big enough that someone will see it and that will lead to their rescue, which I think both sound like really plausible scenarios. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Because I don't think that they're – no one's just going to stumble upon them out there after 19 months. Like, it has to be something – unless, you know, a family member related to the dead cabin daddy, like, happens to be coming out to check on the cabin. But I I don't know. I don't buy that. I I think that they actually legit get their way out of there. Yeah. Um, On to episode eight, which is Flight of the Bumblebee. When in triage after a vicious attack, the Yellow Jackets are left to figure out the best of their worst ideas, and Shauna dabbles in some light cyber stalking, because apparently secretly tracking people is very popular these days. (laughs) Um, So... The episode starts. They bring Van uh, back to the cabin. She's conscious again. Um, Natalie and Travis stop seeing each other when he backs out during sex. Um, Natalie and Ben are also growing pretty close together. Um, You know, Natalie ends up talking to Ben and offers relationship advice. and, And Nat realizes he's gay, which is nice that Coach Ben can finally get that off her chest. Yeah. And uh, Laura Lee makes a pretty big announcement here. What does Laura Lee say she's going to do? Laura Lee announces that she's going to take the dead guy's plane and fly it out to get help. And that moment was like such a defining moment in the show because up until this point, like they all viewed Coach Ben as this like authoritarian figure over them. Like they took what he said into consideration they valued his opinion and Laura Lee, the quietest, meekest one out of all of them, like says to him, what are you going to do to stop me? And what is he going to do? He has one leg. Like, what is he going to do? He's not going to do shit. Unfortunately, he's basically <laughs> lost all of his control. Laura Lee flies the plane. Of course, um, the passenger seat with Leonard on it catches on fire. The plane explodes. Some people say maybe it hit like a barrier, like in the Truman show, like there's like a physical barrier that won't let the plane out. But 
in my opinion, the plane never would have really flown anyway. So it was more yeah. just a device to show that the wilderness is keeping them there. So unfortunately, exactly. RIP Laura Lee, you tried. Sorry, Leonard. <laughs> Thank you for your efforts. Um, in 2021, Misty stops Natalie from relapsing and reveals the hidden camera. What I loved about that scene was uh, Misty coming in and doing all of the cocaine that was on the plate to help save Nat. Like, talk about taking one for the team. Um, obviously, she wasn't worried about how that would affect her. I think that amount of cocaine would probably do something, but I, I mean, would assume, yeah. I would assume, but um, yeah, you know, Misty, again, she really takes one for the team. Um, Misty also tells Nat that someone withdrew all the money from Travis's bank account after he died. And then the next day, Natalie tries to get some information out of Susie, one of her former coworkers. Um, and she, who still works at the bank. Um, Susie refuses to cooperate. And then um, Natalie resorts to blackmail. Um, Ty also tells Simone about the condition in which she becomes an entirely different person at night. Um, fearing she'll hurt Sammy, she begs Simone to leave her alone in the house. And uh, Shauna discovers someone took all of her journals and she finds glitter in her closet. Um, and then after learning that Adam is not who he says he is, Shauna goes to his apartment to question him. So mm -hmm. lots of things happening in Flight of the Bumblebee, um, of course, named because this is when Laura Lee takes off in flight. Um, when Van is coming on top of the uh, fire after being attacked, it almost looked like there were some shadow figures standing over her um along with misty mari ty and akila now that's bizarre right yeah yeah um and uh, another reason why i think she sees those figures like it's really hard to tell at first glance like in that scene because you're seeing it through van's eyes like when she's coming to on top of the fire and she opens her eyes and you see them and then she closes her eyes and when she opens them again, it just looks like there are shadow figures like in between each of the girls that are standing over her. Like they're like filling in the silhouettes in between each girl. And it's like, it almost looks like, like the color that she's viewing the world in at this point is like purple. If that makes sense. Like everything looks purple. And you see these dark figures, they're black. Um, but I also found it really interesting, like right before she really comes to, there's like this flash of green light. And it's so quick. Like you only notice it if you're paying like very close attention. But when in the finale, when she has a conversation with Thaisa about being out there, she says when she was in between, she saw something. And I take in between to mean in between life and death. And that was where she was when she was on top of that pyre, like right before they almost burned her to death. Right. I mean, there's I, I definitely agree that in between signifies she was on the side of death and that she resurrected again. Viva la van. Like once again, you know, Um some other important lines from that episode. Uh, Nat discovers that there are no queens in the deck of cards. Um, I, 
I've got to think this has some significance. It could indicate a power struggle amongst the main four because there are four queens in a deck. Yeah. Um, you know, just some kind of metaphor about like the the power struggle. You know, the true queen hasn't emerged yet. We do think, of course, Lottie is the antler queen, but um, you know, those antlers may pass amongst them. We're not sure yet, but. There is some significance to the queens in the deck, I am sure. Um, When Ty drops by Shauna's house, Shauna says it's a nice surprise after 20 years. And why do they lie to Jeff about not being in contact with each other, right? So the crash was 25 years ago. They say 20 years, probably at Shauna and Jeff's wedding. But like, why are they lying? Um, You know, why lie to Jeff? Like, I, I don't get that. Like you've been married for 20 years. Like, you know that they went through this. Like, what does it matter if he knows that you talk to each other? I just don't get that. It's weird. It's weird. Um, I did like the conversation and like the heart to heart between Ty and Shauna. Um, I think that that really, again, establishes like the depth of their friendship, what they went through together. And to me, they seem to have the most functional, healthy adult relationship of the adult yellow jackets at this point, despite each having different traumas that have made them into these people. They found a way to come together over them as kind of a shared trauma. Um, let's see. And then Ty tells Sean about the sleep, uh, Sean about the sleepwalking, you know, how bad it can get. Um, and you know, it's, this line could be in reference to what happened with man or that, you know, Ty ended up hurting somebody in a fugue state. So there's I'm some meaning more to that. towards the second one. Like, mm-hmm. I think that she's going to do something that's going to divide the group in a way, but like it's going to happen when she's in that state. So she's not going to remember doing it. Whoever she does it to is going to remember obviously, but then that's going to open up the whole can of worms that like she's even going into these states and she's going to have to be honest with the whole group about it. Because as of now, Sean is the only one that knows. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, Ty even says I'm different from what people expect and it scares them. And, you know, I think she scares herself too. I think she scares other people and she scares herself. She's definitely got a dimension of character who, you know, despite her traumas, was able to achieve everything, check every box and achieve everything she wanted to despite the traumas. But, you know, it's like she said she didn't feel it when it was happening. So, yeah, she Mm -hmm. did all these things, but she didn't feel it. You know, just the lasting impact of of those traumas. Um, Finally, another line from this episode that stood out was the cabin in the Poconos. Um, If if Adam really did know who Shauna was, which I believe he did since he owned the skin in the game, then why would he ever suggest going to spend a weekend at a cabin in the Poconos? Again, we know Adam's probably a red herring and the tattoo means nothing in the cabin in the Poconos, but like know your audience, Adam, like obviously she doesn't want to go to a cabin in the Poconos. Yeah. Okay, on to episode nine, Doom Coming, which is 100% my favorite episode of the entire season. Um, On the brink of death, the Yellow Jackets opt to throw one last rager before careening into oblivion. And increasingly paranoid Shauna struggles between keeping her cool and being Shauna. So essentially, the group organizes like a homecoming party. They call it a doom coming party. Um, Lots of things happen here. So the mushrooms inadvertently end up in the tea or soup or whatever. So everybody besides Jackie trips. Uh, Jackie and Travis have sex, despite Travis saying he still has feelings for Natalie. 
Ben and Natalie leave the party to talk um, and Misty follows them. And after Natalie leaves to find Travis, Ben tells Misty that he's gay. Um, as the rest of the group is consuming their hallucinogenic mushrooms, they confront Jackie at the cabin. Things get a little bit wild um, at this point. Um, the group tries to rape Travis after he yeah. flees when they call him a stag and they say, let's go get the stag. That was a little bit alarming. Yeah. Um, after catching up, Lottie orders Shauna to slit his throat, which, again, we think Shauna is the butcher of the Cannibal Council, so that makes sense. Uh, Natalie arrives and stops her. Uh, meanwhile, in 2021, Shauna kills Adam after confirming that he's digging into her past. Um, I don't think that he was really super digging in and she kind of had this traumatic flashback that yeah. brought her into her own state that, you know, had him kill him. Um, and then she remembers back home, Jeff had access to the safe where she kept her journals too. She questioned him. Jeff reveals he did blackmail the group because the furniture company was going out of business. So Bianca was not someone he was having an affair with. It was someone he was borrowing money from. Oops. Mm -hmm. um, the women at uh, woman at the hotel was a loan shark. Um, Shauna tells Jeff that she killed Adam and they discuss their options. Um, Shauna convinces Natalie and Ty that Adam was the blackmailer. And Natalie asks Misty to dispose of the body. So, whew, a lot of things happening. Very Shauna-centric. Um Shauna killed somebody. She's got everybody else involved now. Her husband is all aboard on helping her cover it up. And I think this is really going to trickle into season two. Yeah, for sure. There's no way that, like, the fact that he has that crazy back tattoo alone is enough reason to think that he's going to somehow factor into season two. That's not the last we've seen of Adam. There's no way. Definitely not the last. Um, so the skin in the game book, right? It's the unauthorized story. We know Adam have it, but who wrote it? You know, did was Allie a contributor to it? Um, you know, Jessica Roberts said people were making money off of it, telling the girl's story. So it is curious to know, like, whose story, who were they talking to? Were they talking yeah. to, like, the teachers, the principal, Allie, like other students? I hope we get more context on the unauthorized story. I do too. Um, and then, you know, another line from Shauna to Jeff, if it gets out that the yellow jackets are being blackmailed because of what we did out there, um, you know, this was before Jeff admitted to having read Shauna's journals. And um, is this in reference to the scene we see where Pit Girl, um, it, you know, in the pilot, is it worse than that? Um, you know, I feel like the cannibalism and, and the slaughtering will be the worst part, but that Pit Girl part was, you know, pretty bad too. Um, yeah. A lot of bad things happened out there. And something I, I think that really ties up Shauna and Jeff's relationship is when she says, um, when Jeff says, secrets have always been a part of us, um, you know, from the very beginning. Like, we see the interactions with her and Jackie's family. Like, they don't know the true breadth of what went on. But Jeff does. Jeff is still with Shauna. Jeff went from a guy that bought Shauna this tacky dress at the very beginning to a perfect dress at the end and yeah. Jeff is not perfect Jeff did some blackmailing but he loves Shauna and he has had her back you know despite knowing all of the crazy things she did so you Absolutely. know I think he's he's grown quite a bit um through the season um yeah. 
And then one more thing to touch on were um, Jackie's diaries, which I thought we'd just mention quickly. Um, you know, it's some of the stuff written in Jackie's diaries happened after she died based on some of the movies and characters that we see. So um, the showrunners did say we're actually going to get more answers. Um, it's going to be more of like a character plot point for Shauna, probably like dealing with the trauma of Jackie's death. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, another quote from this episode before we move on to the season finale. Uh, and of course, when we came back, we couldn't get help. We couldn't betray the team is something Misty said to Jessica Roberts, who, of course, she's still keeping captive in her basement. Mm -hmm. um, and that line just it kind of says something like, you know, did they leave something in the wilderness on purpose? Is like, what else is there that people should not know about? Just the way that she says when we got back, we couldn't get help. Just makes me think that they might have purposely left somebody behind because couldn't get help for what? Like you're back. What do you need help for? Like you're rescued. So what else is there to need help for if you're rescued? Absolutely. Um, so I, you know, I think there's definitely more to it um and the fact that they couldn't get help again speaks to like the depth of their trauma like if yeah, they felt they too. couldn't get help they couldn't get it off their chest they had each other but they didn't always have each other because each one of them has their own separate lives and traumas going on as well so yeah um with that we will move on to the season finale which is episode 10 which is sick transit gloria mundi on the night of their 25th reunion, the girls navigate damning evidence, false alibis, and a dubious attempt to heal in the wilderness. Doom coming leaves everything off the rails as simmering resentments come to a head. Um, Van starts thinking that Lottie has some supernatural abilities here after mm -hmm. Lottie kills the bear. What's one thing we know about the bear, Emily? The bear is not Javi. Yeah. <laughs> the, the bear is I not Javi. Still can't believe Javi. people actually like really bought into that. I know. I know. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and Javi is missing after Doom coming. You know, Shauna tells Javi to run. He is nowhere to be found. Um, Jackie tells the group that uh, Jeff was, in fact, cheating on her with Shauna. And she confronts the group for hurting Travis as well. Jackie was, you know, not on mushrooms. Um, and she very clearly saw everything that went down, including the clear sex that she had with Travis. Yes. Um, Jackie decides to sleep outside that night because her and Shauna kind of, you know, got into it. They had an altercation um, and it really culminated into some some very bad things i mean she sleeps outside and of course it's the first night it snows and she dies i mean one yeah. of the last scenes we see from the season is is frozen jackie shauna's reaction you know in loving memory of jackie oh my goodness um again she had quite the downfall from the beginning where she was the queen with all of the influence and mm -hmm. you know they essentially pushed her out she did not buy into the seance to giving thanks for the things that they were able to get and that ultimately led to her downfall yeah um additionally Lottie, Misty, and Van offer the bear's heart as a tribute to the wilderness. This is one of the final images we see 
uh, towards the end, Lottie holding up that heart. Um, and then in 2021, Shauna, Ty, Natalie, and Misty uh, clean up the murder scene. Um, you know, Misty loved helping with that. But unfortunately, she did not realize Adam had a tattoo on his torso. She says torsos yeah. are useless, but that is going to come back into play. She, of course, disposed of his like head and arms and, and legs feet in the um, crematorium but you know they buried the torso and i think that's definitely going to come back to haunt them um oh my god it, it absolutely has to and you know in one of the great scenes of season one i love the 25th reunion i mm-hmm. love um offsprings come out and play is playing yeah. as the girls walk in um they attend the reunion. Shauna confronts Jeff's friend, Randy, who knows about the blackmail and threatens to kill him if he tells anybody. Um, Callie learns of Adam's disappearance on the news. Um, Simone makes a discovery in her basement, which is the um, altar of Biscuit's decapitated head, Sammy's doll, and what appears to be a human heart. Note the doll Manny only has one eye. Mm-hmm. Um, we note some candles there. We've got the symbol, very seancey. Um, in this episode, Misty also poisons Jessica in her cigarettes, um, but first gave her the option to not smoke the cigarettes. So she did give her a chance. Jessica Roberts, we see crashed on the side of the road. We assume she's dead. Um, Thaisa wins the Senate race. Uh, and then at the end, a mysterious group kidnaps Natalie. Um, Susie tells Natalie in a voicemail that La- Lottie um, emptied Travis's bank account. So we end on, you know, kind of this um, this cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then let's not forget Jackie's death dream when we see everybody yeah. says that we've been waiting for you, Jackie, which is interesting. And I hear we should be getting more of Cabin Daddy's backstory in season two. So cannot wait for that. I'm so excited for that. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so good. Um, let's see. So some final thoughts on the finale. We need to wrap it up here. We actually have a call with Coed Naked in a couple minutes. So um Let's wrap it up. Let's see. Um, you noted in the notes, one of Misty's co-workers at the beginning of this episode looks exactly like one of Nat's kidnappers. Mm-hmm. That could be a possibility maybe to keep tabs on her. Yeah, I think it's definitely possible that Lottie somehow had members of her cult infiltrate the other adult Yellow Jackets lives to keep tabs on them so she knew what they were doing. Absolutely. Another line. What do you want? A blood oath from me? Natalie says to Misty about attending the reunion. And that is reminiscent of the teaser visual where we see somebody writing in blood, I heart you on somebody's arm. Um, Could this be another type of ritual they're creating? Um, Perhaps it could be. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think most importantly, you know, after this episode, we discovered that, um, Lottie Matthews is alive. We are going to see adult Lottie, who's, of course, played by Simone Kessel. We are also going to see adult Van, played by Lauren Ambrose. Cannot wait to see her. Um, Other new characters that they have introduced, um, we will have Crystal. Uh, We will also have um, Nicole Maines, Francois Arnaud, and uh, Nia Sandaya in uh, recurring roles. So, um, 
again, um, Francois is going to play Paul, um, Ben's boyfriend. Uh, Nicole Maines is going to play Lisa, who's an associate of Lottie's. And Nia Zendaya is going to take over Akilah's role. Mm -hmm. So um, exciting things. Oh, and then let's not forget Elijah Wood, mm -hmm. Citizen Detective Walter. Showtime just put out a really cute video with Elijah Wood. So check it out on their socials. Um, it was really cute. I love to hear him talking and excited about the show. Oh, my goodness. Um, we saw on Instagram the adult yellow jackets wrapped. They are all looking very nice. I see some purple there. Note. Mm -hmm. Could be important. The yep. teens all, all uh, finished shooting as well. So um, filming is done. Now they are editing. Now we can look on to season two. Um, season two, episode one, will be directed by Daisy Von Schurler Mayer, who also directed Doom Coming. Oh, and yes. Yes, she has a lot of other amazing shows under her belt, including A Million Little Things, uh, For the People, Mad Men, Nurse Jackie, Shameless, uh, Orange is the New Black, House of Lies, Ray Donovan, The Walking Dead. She's got quite wow. a resume. Yeah. Um, and because Doom Coming was one of my favorite episodes, I imagine that that will be another one of them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I cannot wait for Me season either. two. Oh, my goodness. Well, look, it's about the two hour mark. We told ourselves we were going to do like an hour and a half, but we knew that we might go over. So we did our best to stay on track, recap the most important plot points. Um, I think the biggest mysteries we're going to be looking ahead for in season two. Um, where's Javi? Mm -hmm. What happened to Shauna's baby? Who sent the postcards? Um, what's the deal with the symbol or supernatural? Uh, they weren't alone out there. Who was with them? Was it a force? Yeah. Was it a group? Um, how culty is Lottie exactly? Mm -hmm. How culty on a scale of one to ten? We'll see. Uh, what's up with Van? What's she doing? Whose side is she on? And um, what will happen with Adam's murder? Are they going to get caught? Who's going to go to jail? Are they going to be able to get out of it? <sighs> there are so many mysteries to yeah. be determined. Um, yeah. If we missed any important plot points, um, we encourage you to please drop your thoughts in the comments. We will be on and replying at some point. So we'd like to keep the dialogue open. There's nothing more we love than speculating and spilling with the Yellow Jackets fandom. We love being here. Um, be sure to listen and uh, watch our most recent episodes. You can get all of the links at yellowjacketshive.com. We have some very exciting things coming up, including Teen Travis, Kevin, joining us on February 27th. Um, we're going to have another Hive Hangout. We have our Co-Ed Naked collaboration coming up and are in talks with some other cast members to be joining us. So please buzz into the Hive. Again, we will also be having our Hive After Dark after show immediately following New Yellow Jacket Season 2 episodes. That will start. Oh, my God. I know. Um, it starts March 26th. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. Again, if you want to join, email us, yellowjacketshive at uh, gmail.com. And more than anything, thank you for joining us for this recap. We hope yeah. we did it justice. Yeah. There was a lot to cover, so I hope we got it all. Absolutely. With that, we are going to hop off and go hop on a call with Co-Ed Naked right now. Thank you all so much for joining us. Yes, until we spill again.